Just because a label states that an ingredient is present in the supplement you're taking doesn't mean you're obtaining its full benefit. The key is bioavailability how much is absorbed, and gets to where it's needed. That's why I recommend and use Future Farm Botanicals. Future Farm sources the most potent, highest quality ingredients, and then uses liposomal technology to assure optimal uptake. All Future Farm formulas are custom organic blends, crafted from the finest raw ingredients by certified chemists and herbalists. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while, addressing a variety of issues, from inflammation to immune support. I use their supplements, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you, listeners of Intelligent medicine. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. 888-841-7216 or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuturephafm, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. All Future Farm products are all natural, science-based, and work without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest today is Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Uh, she's an expert in chronic disease, autoimmune disorders, and something called MCAS, Mast Cell Activation Syndrome. It's uh, a trendy diagnosis uh, these days, but there's more than just uh, going on a low histamine diet, although diet can help. And we're going to take a look at uh, some of the pathways by which patients with all the complex symptoms that we outlined in part one uh, can move towards wellness. Uh, so, be- but before we get to uh, solutions, um, it-, it appears that this uh, syndrome is becoming more and more pervasive. Is, is there something about our, our lifestyles, our diets, uh, toxic exposures, or, or maybe even tick-borne diseases, uh, infections that that causes people to move in this direction? Yeah, I, I, I think that you, you all, all the above. Um, You know, I had a conversation with a leading expert in uh, chemical intolerance, uh, Dr. Claudia Miller. She's down in Texas, and she's published a lot in this in this world in this sort of uh, space of of chemical intolerance or tilt toxicant induced loss of tolerance. And you know, she and I have talked about you know where the world, how the world has changed in the last, let's say, fifty years, maybe even even you know seventy five, eighty years, maybe longer. Um, the things that we're exposed to over, you know, over the course of that time, starting back then when there was, there were more exposures to petrochemicals and xenoestrogens, things that, um, you know, never before in the history of mankind did we have to really, you know, uh, deal with. And, and so I think these things sort of set the stage. I think the mast cells, um, are, are seeing these, these chemicals, toxins, stressors, and I think over time, it becomes like a um, a perfect storm. So I think that there are things that people are exposed to early on in life, maybe even in utero, maybe their parents were, you know, were exposed. And then, you know, that sort of sets the stage. And so some people, they'll have all these exposures, but maybe they will be fine. They will never develop MCAS. They'll never have any issues. Maybe there's some genetic factors that play a role. But in some people, it sort of sets the stage. There's exposures early on in life. And then, you know, maybe they grow up in a moldy apartment building. Or maybe they um, they had a real emotional traumatic stressor early in life. Um, or any time in life, actually. Um, you know, maybe then they, you know, moved out to the country and they 
they, you know, played around in the, in the grass and, you know, were, were exposed to ticks or, you know, maybe they had a cat growing up who was in, you know, I, I have one patient who grew up with a cat in her crib, basically, and, and got Bartonella from, from the cat. Um, you know, so there are all these different things that over time sort of build, build this. It's sort of like there's an initiating event something early on in life. And then over time, there are these things that exacerbate and exacerbate until usually there's the straw that breaks the camel's back. There's one thing that then just the body can't handle anymore. And so I think that, um, I think we are seeing, so to answer your questions, we are absolutely seeing more of this. I don't think it's just because we're diagnosing people more with MCAS. I think really think that people are so we're seeing more chronic illness. We're seeing more issues. I think, you know, the, what we're putting in our body with food, the plastics, the chemicals, and all that, that have been in the environment in the air for some time are now really taking its toll on, on, on us on our, and on our children. And so unfortunately, I think this is just going to, you know, not to be a negative, you know, negative person here, but I think it could get worse if we don't really rein it in and start to understand this better. Absolutely. It's really a call to action to uh, rein in our, our diets uh, and pay attention to our environment. Um, yep. A diagnosis, it's often said that a diagnosis is only as good as the therapies that uh, it invokes. And so, you know, having diagnosed uh, MCAS, uh, you know, it sounds like people are in a whole lot of trouble. Because uh, it's a complex condition, uh, the immune system has been uh, activated. Uh, mass cells are going crazy. Uh, how do you turn down the volume on that? And what are you know, what are some of the techniques that you use? Let's start with diet. And I think it's an oversimplification mm -hmm. to say, "Oh, you're just going a low histamine diet, and you know everything will turn <laughs> out okay." I, would it be the case? It is for some patients. Fortunately, you know they they improve, but for some patients and many of the really complicated patients that you see. Um, you know, diet is only uh, a foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, because, well, there's a histamine issue. And I think that for some people, the reason those low histamine diets work is because they have a histamine bucket and the mast cells are making, you know, a lot of histamine and releasing it. And the food is carrying, you know, there's some foods are higher in histamine. And so, yeah, you fill the bucket too much. It's going to, it's going to overflow. So, so you eliminate the histamine from the diet and you eliminate some of that, you know, um, the, the, the amount of histamine in the body, right? So that is good, is good right, for some people where histamine is maybe the issue. Um, but you know, there are patients who have salicylate, um, intolerances or oxalate intolerances. It becomes so overwhelming. Um, and so I'm really careful about recommending a specific diet. I think the diet has to be personalized. I think you have to, I have to listen to the patient and understand where they're coming from and what they believe is, is making them feel worse or better, right? And so there are patients that I see who can only eat three foods. I clearly can't do much with that, right? In terms of, I can't change that. Um, but if patients have a, have, you know, really can eat a lot of food, they're just trying to figure out um, what is better for them, then that's, a, you know, I guess a little bit easier. And I would say that I generally concentrate on proteins and fats as the primary source of fuel that they, that they need and the least inflammatory of what they can put in their body. And unfortunately, so some healthy can, foods are actually 
uh, deliver high levels of uh, substances which may be triggers. So, for example, uh, tuna. Tuna is a wonderful uh, healthy food if it's not laden with mercury, mm -hmm. but it's a relatively high histamine food, particularly if it's been sitting around too long. Uh, similarly, lots of uh, berries, for example, uh, you know, really healthy, full of proanthocyanidins, but uh, can be triggers for to tomatoes, uh, you know, some foods that Correct. we commonly think of as healthy foods. And, and, but what's so, you know, uh, uh, complicated with this is that, you know, I have, I have an MCAS patient that I saw earlier today who has severe MCAS, is reacting, very reactive to a lot of things, but she can eat tomatoes. Okay. So, so it's really, it's really not so clear cut. And that's why everyone has to be, you know, looked at. In, you know, individually has to be personalized, and so it's starting to. You know, it's, I think it's important. I try to look at is histamine an issue for them? Do we need to lower histamine, or is sugar an issue for them? So you know, it turns out that that mast cells are uh, exquisitely sensitive to changes in blood sugar. Um, we know that there are insulin receptors on the mast cell, and so uh, metabolic syndrome may be a, a big link. With, um, with MCAS and MCAS may be a driver of metabolic syndrome. I've, I've presented on that. I have some literature on that. Um, so, you know, eliminating the foods that are going to sort of like processed foods, things that are high in, in simple sugars may be most important for them. You know, again, try, we try to kind of piece that out and figure out what's going to work best. You know? Okay. When it comes to uh, self-care, uh, there are natural substances that can be mast cell quenchers. So mm -hmm. what are some of them that people can access uh, over the counter? We'll get to medications uh, a little later. Sure. Well, look, you know, I think, um, think about vitamin C. Uh, vitamin C is a natural antihistamine. Um, it may reduce histamine levels. So, you know, vitamin C is something that people are familiar with and, you know, feel comfortable taking, right? Unless, I mean, obviously there are always conditions, and I, I, I have to say this, and I think you have to say it too, that, right, there's, there's always going to be people where this is not going to be right for them. Um, so always, you know, consult with their, you know, practitioner, uh, health practitioner so that they, you know, understand. But generally speaking, vitamin C is a good tool for some patients. Some patients react to it. Some patients, it's the uh, type of vitamin C. You know, maybe it's corn-derived and it needs to be uh, cassava-derived or, or something like that. Um, quercetin is a mast cell stabilizer. Some really good research on, on quercetin and its effects on as an antihistamine and a mast cell stabilizer. Some patients do very well. Some patients don't. Um, you know, it is one of those... Um, um, chemicals that um, can uh, cause, uh, can slow down a particular enzyme in the body called COMT, which is a enzyme catechol-O-methyltransferase, which is a mouthful, but um, it's an enzyme that breaks down dopamine and epinephrine and these sort of uh, chemicals that, that drive like, like adrenaline. Um, and quercetin can slow that enzyme down. So there are certain people who find that um, if their enzyme is a real, really already too slow, that, they, that it slows it down even more, and they get more, let's say, anxious, more irritable, more mm -hmm. of, of whatever. So um, I'm always very cautious with, with quercetin, make sure that I, you know, find the right patient um, for, for that treatment. Um, and then, you know, there's um, DAO enzyme, uh, diamine oxidase, 
It's an enzyme that breaks down histamine in the gut. Again, if histamine in the gut is the big issue, then the enzyme to break down histamine might be might be helpful. Um, there are a number of, of probiotics that have been studied. Uh, one of my favorites is Lactobacillus rhamnosus. Uh, the rhamnosus strain has been shown to to reduce histamine levels, um, and it can be found, and we have it in our store, just uh, alone without any other probiotic, because some patients are um, intolerant to, to a lot of these strains of probiotics because some strains of probiotic actually increase histamine mm-hmm. levels. So just taking probiotics so, um, really might might actually be counterproductive because there may be a species of probi- probiotic that is that the person's reacting to among you know like multi multi species uh, mixtures. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So those are the main, I would call those the main things that I do from a natural perspective. There are certainly other things or certain herbs that I'll sometimes use depending on what else, you know, the patient is dealing with. So if I have a patient who I I know is dealing with um, Lyme disease and, um, and I know that they had MCAS, but the Lyme definitely exacerbated it, and it's hard for me to treat the Lyme while their MCAS is so... Um, you know, so reactive, then I, you know, might use some herbs like uh, Chinese skullcap or some other things that are not specifically known as mast cell stabilizers, but actually do have those types of properties, but also might help the immune system in other ways. I love doing that type of thing where I'm sort of trying to, uh, you know, kind of kill a few birds with one stone, you know, sort of, um, because if they have to take a lot of things, it becomes, it's, Difficult, they may be reactive, etc. One thing that has been touted, uh, I think it's a Dr. Theo Harides, uh, who is a, a fan of luteolin, which I believe comes from celery, yeah. and that uh, may have a role in suppressing uh, histamine as well. Yeah, his his research um, is is fascinating. He's ha- he has some really good research um, looking. He has an interest in the brain. Um, and inflammation in the brain. And so he's published on this uh, leotiolin compound um, and um, sometimes in combination with quercetin, sometimes not, and its effects on um, MCAS and reducing inflammation. Yeah, I, I use that as well. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. Here goes. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce the Plus CBD Reserve Collection, a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products elicit strong feelings of calm, comfort and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's reserve collection of oils and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. And with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Okay, so then sometimes 
uh, natural stuff, diet, uh, natural supplements, herbs, not enough. So what types of medications can be helpful for patients? You know, we have the traditional antihistamines. Uh, what else? Yep. Yeah, so, you know, the antihistamines are in that category. We call them H1 blockers. So they'll block the specific histamine receptors that are in the skin in a lot of places in the body. So it's blocking it. The, the mast cells have histamine receptors on their surface. So so those antihistamines might also be working directly on the mast cell, not just blocking histamine. We have another set of antihistamines. They're H2 blockers. And so they're, they're things like, uh, Pepsid or Tagamet, Zantac, which is pulled off the market. But, but sometimes we use those things in combination, having an H1 and an H2 blocker together, kind of targeting all the histamine receptors together can be helpful. Um, and, and you know, look, I would say, you know, maybe 60% of my patients will find an antihistamine or antihistamine uh, com- combo that really makes a huge difference for their underlying MCAS. But it may not be enough. Um, and so the next steps typically will be going to things like ketotifen, which is a, which can only be compounded and it is a combination mast cell stabilizer and antihistamine. It's available actually as an eye drop for allergies. People use this called Zatator. Um, and orally it can only be compounded. And so that can be very helpful for some people, but not for others. Um, chromalin. Sodium is another one. Um, there are eye drops um, that you can get for chromalin, but orally, um, it might be particularly good for people who have the GI manifestations of MCAS. Um, I've also seen it be really good for the nervous system. Um, and, and so the mast cells in the gut are talking to the mast cells in the nervous system, and, and maybe that's how it's, how it's working. Um, and then, you know, there are a variety of other things that we use. Singulair or Montelukast is a drug used for asthma. It blocks a particular type of um, mediator that mast cells make called leukotriene. Um, we have things like um, anti-inflammatories like uh, Advil, Motrin, you know, things like that, Celebrex. Uh, for a small subset of patients, not, not, not some MCAS patients cannot take anti-inflammatories, mm-hmm. but some can, and that can make a, you know, have a profound effect. So I think like the, the take-home message is this, that everybody's mast cells are different, and, and even within their own body, the, the different colonies of mast cells are different, and it's a lot of trial and error um, to find the thing that's going to work for their mast cell. So, you know, if today, let's say I saw, you know, five patients and I used, you know, chromalin in every one of them, you know, there's going to be, and I try chromalin in every one, maybe one or two will have an effect, maybe one or two will not have, see any effect, and maybe one or two will, will actually have a worse side effect, feel worse with it. So it's, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to figure out, but on the bright side, um, it, you know, we usually do find the key to their mast cell, the key that sh- shuts down their mast cell. Sometimes it just takes a little longer to get there. And what are patients' prospects for recovery? Uh, is it partial? Is, can there be a, a slam dunk uh, home run uh, program that uh, relieves patients of symptoms, or do they have to remain vigilant for, for life? Yeah, it's hard. You know, it's really hard to say because it may be all of those things. Um, I have patients who 
you know, let's say, you know, they're in their 50s and their history is suggestive that they've had MCAS, you know, since they were five, let's say. They've had some allergies. They've had some things that are suggestive that this has been going on for a long time. But maybe they had a big trigger, you know, a few years back. Maybe maybe in a woman it's uh, hormonal changes or perimenopause. Maybe it's, um, you know, they were living in a moldy home. They were exposed to some chemical. Something happened that really made it, brought it out. So I've seen patients like that who, you know, we get their masks till better, we eliminate their triggers. Like the number one thing, even before you treat them, is you got to make sure you know all their triggers, so you eliminate those. And, you know, and maybe it calms down. And so maybe there's a period of time where they don't need to take much because they know how to sort of control a lot of a lot of things. And, you know, and maybe they're fine for a while. Some patients might need maintenance of, of whatever they're taking. And there are patients who can go long periods of time um, you know, in remission, I guess that's the way to put it, right? Their, their mast cells are, are dysfunctional, but they're quiet for the moment, um, until, you know, something happens, some trauma or something, and then they get activated again. So it's, you know, it's hard. Again, everyone is different. Um, I, I certainly have patients where we figure it out really quickly. We put them on something, we eliminate their triggers and, and they're, they're great. You know, they stay on an Allegra every day and their mast cell symptoms are controlled. I certainly have that too. Um, so it, you know, it really depends. Indeed. <laughs> Sound like a broken record. But yeah, it depends. Yeah. yeah, it depends. Right. Because uh, it's, it's not an easy uh, disorder to, uh, to properly diagnose, number one, and then to, once having diagnosed it to, to address it because it's, it, there's no one size fits all as you, as you say. And I've, I've learned that in dealing with a lot of patients. Um, okay. There's this new, thing that's come around it's called covid covid has really changed our mm-hmm. uh, our uh, understanding of uh, the immune system and now there are a whole slew of patients with long covid i presume you're beginning to see some of them uh, they have a, again yeah. a bewildering array of symptoms and it's postulated that some not all but some of them uh, a, an element of their persistent symptoms is MCAS. Can you explain how that might work? Yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's really it's really fascinating, but also, um, you know, uh, upsetting on, on many levels. But I'm, I'm hopeful. We're trying to figure this out. You know, what I would say is this, that the, MCA, the MCAS cells are primed for viruses and infections. That's what they do. So there's no question that anybody who gets COVID will have an activation of their mast cells during that infection. If they had dysfunctional mast cells before they had COVID and they didn't know it, let's say, and they're not treated, then the mast cells, those dysfunctional mast cells can become more dysfunctional after COVID. And that's my premise of, of at mine and, and, and some of my colleagues' premise of, of what long COVID is, that in every patient, and, and again, of course, I'm not seeing every single long haul patient, but in, in the patients that I've seen, and this is a, this is a really, um, the statistic is kind of uh, a little bit, you know, in medicine, I never say 100%, but, but 100% of the patients, of the long haul patients that I've seen, all have, ha- have a story that's, that's consistent with MCAS before they had COVID. And they don't know it because, you know, they've had uh, bouts, let's just say. So, so you know, they, they, were prim- excuse me, they, they were primed to react. They were sort of like a powder they were keg prime, but they didn't know wait, it. waiting for the fuse Correct. to be lit. Okay. But they didn't know it. 
Mm-hmm. So they were not diagnosed. They didn't know they had MCAS. They had, they went to this doctor for, you know, for gastritis and then they went to this doctor for, you know, um, you know, joint pain. They went to this doctor for whatever. And, but no one ever put it together that they actually have an immune dysfunction and then they get COVID. And then the immune dysfunction just, yeah, just gets worse. It escalates. And so, um, you know, our, our approach is first, you know, I want to try to prove that this is what it is. And, and I'm not going to say that all long haul COVID is an MCAS. What I'm saying is that the patients that I've seen with long haul COVID all have a story that sounds like they had MCAS. I just can't prove it. But if I test them now, they all test positive for MCAS. And the majority, I can't say all, but most of them, I can get a diagnosis and then I can treat them. And with targeted therapy uh, against the M- against MCAS, many of them have gotten much better. I still think there's pieces that we're missing. You know, I think that this virus is probably doing other things that we don't know. But the MCAS piece is so profound. It's so it's, it makes such a big difference to know about it that, um, you know, that I think that it's important that, you know, we at least address that because that makes sense. And, and by inference, uh, since the vaccine is like a little bit of COVID, uh, for some people who've had vaccine reactions, not necessarily to the, you know, the Pfizer, the Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, uh, but uh, any number of vaccines, and I've seen vaccine reactions to uh, the Zostavax vaccine, for example, for shingles. Sure. Um, it, it is MCAS a, a part and parcel of that? Yeah, and you know, we we just published on uh, Dr. Afrin and I published uh, with a, with a, another colleague on um, uh, HPV, the HPV vaccine or Gardasil vaccine, and how it escalates MCAS. And and again, I think I think it's important to note that we don't really believe that it's the vaccine that's causing MCAS, but that there's probably underlying MCAS already that. A vaccine could, and, and that could be a vaccine, it could be a medication, it could be some event that then sets off the mast cells to a point that they are, you know, completely um, escalated and, and uncontrollable until you gain control over it. And I think that's really, I think that does explain a lot of, I mean, we can't prove it yet, but I, do, I think that explains a lot of uh, reactions to vaccines. Okay. Well, you know, you've certainly done a great job in, in covering a lot of ground. Uh, this is a complicated subject. Uh, where can listeners uh, learn more? What are some of the resources? You have a website as well for the AIM Center? Yeah. We do. AIM Center PM, PS and Peter M as in Mary, uh, .com. Um, I have my website, drtanyademsey.com. Um, on Facebook, I usually, uh, I'm using right now Dr. Tanya Dempsey. And, um, and it's spelled T A N I A, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. And Dempsey, uh, usual spelling D E M P S E Y. That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, you know, I've, I've done, and what we're trying to do is put all this stuff on the website, all the podcasts, and um, and lectures, and, and, you know, my goal is to really educate, like yours, right? You want to get the message out there. You want people to to um, start to understand, you know, themselves and what they can do and how to communicate with their doctors to, you know, to help them. So that's, you know, we try to put all that information out there. Okay. Well, you know, I must congratulate you uh, again because uh, you've taken on a very, very challenging area of medicine, dealing with complex patients and uh, using uh, this unified theory uh, that's talked about in the book, Occam's razor, the razor that cuts through all the 
BS and complications, uh, the razor that it actually slices through it all. Uh, MCAS may be certainly an important contributor. And, uh, and you really exemplify, I think, what is the best of what a physician should be, which is being scholarly, you know, paying attention to the medical literature, uh, using the best of your conventional medical training, but also uh, thinking out of the box and thinking in an open-minded uh, and innovative way about both uh, medical therapies, conventional medical therapies, uh, combining them with natural and lifestyle changes to uh, take your patients forward. So uh, that is truly a model for us to emulate. And uh, oh, I, that is a heart, so heartfelt compliment. Uh, so yeah, thank you very thank much. Thank Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you us. for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And thanks for your uh, your great work on behalf of patients. Uh, that was Dr. Tanya Dempsey. Thanks, folks, for joining us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.